You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. You're listening to the Dig Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Kelly. This series is fueled by athletes' questions about training, racing, and health and fitness. If you have any topics you would like to hear about, feel free to message me on Instagram or email me your questions at califitness at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me on episode one. Today I'll be covering the following topics. Setting your season up for success, how to plan a race calendar, the importance of goal setting, staying motivated, injury prevention, and the potential warning signs of overtraining. I'm here with my good friend and athlete, Marnie Salop, host of the Marnie on the Move podcast and producer of Dig Deep. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing all of your great tips and advice on these topics and asking you questions on behalf of your athletes. We had such awesome feedback with my listeners at Marnie on the Move. I'm glad I could convince you to host your own show. Me too. Your athletes sent in a lot of great topics, many of which I have personally been wondering about as well. I'm starting to plan out my race season and, like many of your athletes, I'm wondering, what is the best way to set goals and plan out your season? Planning your season starts with, you know, what kind of athlete you are, or at least what types of distances are you covering? Are you a a long course athlete or a short course athlete? And for the people listening, when I say long course, I'm talking about full Ironman, half Ironman, or you're doing half marathons or marathons or century type distance cycling races. If you're a short course athlete, you're probably doing more sprint or Olympic triathlons, your 5K, your 10K type running races, or maybe something in the 40K distance for cycling. Uh, So once you've kind of decided what type of distance athlete you are, more or less, there are a lot of athletes that are hybrids or do a blend of of all distances. You know, they might have a particular distance they prefer, but they're doing a mix of short course and long course. Then it's time to start to pick out some races. And when you're picking out races, you want to categorize them in A, B, or C. And the importance of categorizing them and setting priorities is, is really an athlete could only peak once or twice a season. So those A races should be, you know, carefully picked to the ones you really want to do well at. Doesn't mean you can't have a good performance at your B or C races, but in general, it's hard to be at your top physical condition more than twice a year with all the volume building up to that. And that also means when you're picking out your B and C races, those races should be thought about to help support and help you prepare for those A races as you're as you're picking them out and laying them out. So the best thing to do is really start with your A race and then go from there. And work from there. Exactly. And then from there, you know, once you've established your, your race calendar, what you're doing and you've got your A, B and C, then I would say then maybe then you start to figure out what your specific goals for either these individual events or the A races. Uh, But are there performance goals? Is your goal to just finish your first Ironman? Are you looking to set PR time goals for a total time? Or even, let's say for the sport of triathlon, are you looking to improve your open water swim time for the mile? Are you looking to improve your bike split or your, your run off the bike? Or are you looking to beat your training partners and the people that you work out with every day? So I think setting some performance goals for these events is then the next step what, you know, to really keep you motivated and engaged. And then it also determines what type of training you're doing and, and how to prepare for these events, depending upon what the goals are. 
And those goals are totally personal. Everyone's different. Everyone has different goals. And they could be as much as winning the race in your age group or winning the race overall or simply having a great vacation and doing a race at the same time. All of those things. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I encourage my athletes and clients to make their goals is to make them personal. It has to be something that gets you fired up and excited. So if doing races in different locations and traveling is how you get fired up to train and be motivated for something, then that's what you need to do. If it's setting personal records or age group placements or qualifying for particular things like age group nationals, worlds, Boston, whatever it is, then those are your motivators. So I think you need to pick something that really gets you fired up and excited about training and that's a big part of it so the motivation absolutely has to be personal or you're really not going to want to hit that goal if it's not something that means something to you right and also you know sometimes having a training plan or hiring a coach can help with motivation as well hiring a coach is extremely beneficial a really good coach can it can make a, a big impact on an athlete's performance and also staying on point so hopefully they're giving you a well-thought-out plan that's going to help you peak and get ready for your A races, as well as making sure you stay on track. So if you're missing workouts or they're starting to see other things going on, they can help try to motivate you and keep you in the game. Or if you got things going on at work, family, you're getting sick and we have to readjust the schedule, they can also adjust the plan to best suit your needs at that point in time to also help keep you moving forward in some capacity, even if it wasn't the exact plan at that time, but versus missing all of your training or completely but trying to prioritize certain workouts and trying to keep everything on track as best as possible. A coach is huge. I know. I mean, I have gone as an age grouper, a triathlete, and now I'm starting to do marathons. I've gone through the past eight years of having a coach, not having a coach, downloading a training plan. And one of the tricks to motivation is learning how also, how are you motivated, right? So for me, I'm more motivated when I have a coach. It's really important. And a coach is just one of the other additional levels of accountability that factor into motivation. So if you're just counting on yourself, that's just one layer. And some people are super A type and they get up every morning at the same time and they're in the gym at the same time and they're hammering through their workouts. And that's a smaller margin. But the rest of the population need some other levels of accountability. And that's signing up for races and starting to kind of set a date also become financially committed to right. you've just shelled out $300 to do the New York City Marathon and now it's time to start training or you're going to that money's going to go down the drain or maybe you've committed to a charity spot hiring a coach is another layer of accountability and then also joining training groups so if maybe it's your master's swim team, maybe there's a triathlon team that you want to be a part of, maybe there's a cycling group that meets on the weekends, but finding some like-minded athletes that are have a common goal and are meeting, maybe become some of your training partners on the days that these groups don't meet, I think is really important. Another level of accountability where people start to rely on you being there and it means something for you to then have to show up. And there's uh, a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of community in, in triathlon and running. So, I mean, it's not... Like 
like you're not going to be able to find it. No, I mean, in the amount of running groups and cycling groups now in New York City, there's hundreds. So they're not in short supply. And so you should take advantage of, of those levels of accountability to get you out of bed, to meet some other people, to keep you motivated. And it's great. The days that you wake up and you're not really in the mood and then you meet that group and you end up having a good workout, it just makes it worth it. And what about mantras? Do you have any mantras that you used to go by or that you advise people to have? I think, you know, having, I mean, mantras just tie into the idea of positive self-talk and keeping a positive mental outlook. So I try to encourage all athletes to keep the conversation in their head as positive as possible. And for some people, this is more challenging than others. They're, they tend to be more on the negative side of things or the glass half empty type of mindset. But I think if you can start to sink your teeth into some mantras or some positive self-talk when you are thinking about skipping a workout or while you're in the middle of a workout and you're struggling mentally, or you're during a race event and you're, you know, you're hitting some challenging points, you're hitting the hills, it's starting to get hot, whatever. I think having some good mantras to, to get you going. One of them that I really like is great things never came from comfort zones, right? So we need to push ourselves out of our comfort zones to really hit some higher bars. Don't wish for it, work for it. We can't just wish to hit a PR or to, you know, improve our time. We have to get up every morning and train for it. It's the start that stops most people. And this one's, I mean, how many times have you like struggled with getting started with a workout? All the you, time. You, you tell yourself, uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to do it a little bit later. Uh, I'm not going to get up in the morning. I'm going to do it after work. Uh, I don't know, whatever. But it's that initial getting going. But once you get going, you most of the time, I would say, Nine out of 10 times, you're going to finish that workout and you're going to feel better, but it's, it's getting started, which is the challenging part for most of us. And then, you know, for something like while you're racing or during a workout and you're, you know, questioning whether you're going to complete this interval or you're going to be able to hold a certain pace or effort during your race, uh, I can, I will, I want, I put in the work, I'm here to race, I'm here to, I'm here to, you know, win, I'm here to hit my goal, things like that. So keeping the keep finding some sort of mantra, and these are just a handful, but something like that that you can sink your teeth into and just you know keep repeating. Maybe it's a little meme that you create on a motivational picture on your phone, and every time you open your phone or look at it, you've got your goals there and your mantra and those kind of things just to kind of keep your head in the right place. My mantra is every day is a great day for running, <laughs> even when it's 20 degrees in New York City. Well, we were just having a conversation about your motivation to run today. So, yeah. and we're going to make it happen. Yeah. You're gonna I mean, get you that gave running. me some great ideas. I mean, running, you know, it's really cold out. I have a 10 mile run. Mm -hmm. And your idea was instead of going out and back and suffering five miles one way and flying five miles the other way, you suggested I do a couple miles up, a couple miles back, you know, two miles out, two, an out and back. Yeah. And doing it as a loop. So you, it's more of a 50, you know, an even break on the wind yeah. uh, and just to shake it, uh, shake it up. So you're, uh, you know, you get a little bit of wind on your, on your back, a little bit of wind in your face and, you know, make you it suffer, a little bit, but you make it work. Yeah. If there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> we basically took the excuses yeah. out of not doing your 10 miler today. Yeah. Basically speaking of 10 milers and cold weather, it really brings me to the topic of injury prevention. I know that with everybody outdoors starting to train, it's the beginning of the season. 
What's some advice that you have about injury prevention? Injury prevention is a great topic, and I think it's a loaded one in terms of what you can do. And there are a lot of different ways. And I think if you can factor all these preventative measures into your injury prevention plan, the more helpful it's going to be. And we talked a little bit about it in terms of hiring a coach or whether hiring a coach and also having just a plan and sticking to it. I think following a thought out plan for whatever you're training for is really critical to make sure that you're not building volume at too quick of a rate that you're not increasing the distance of your runs or the pace of your runs at too quick of a rate. So following a plan, so getting a plan, whether it's a coach or you're downloading one at this point, there's hundreds of options, both either through a coach or downloading a plan. I think that's really critical. Uh, A lot of athletes train, you know, I feel like doing this today. I think I missed this run. I'm going to jack it up to this mileage this week. And that's how you're going to get injured. Right. Like Uh, it was 60 degrees the other day. And you said some of your athletes just went out for like a five hour ride. (laughs) Yeah. When it was a two or three hour ride. So, uh, you know, sticking to the plan as best as possible and staying consistent. That's really one of the best ways to prevent injury. The next is then thinking about including in addition to your aerobic training or your swim bike run training is working in some sort of strength training and post workout stretch recovery routine. Uh, The strength training should be in your routine all year long, whether it's once a week or twice a week. I think twice a week is better than once a week, but even once a week will really benefit most athletes from help keeping their muscles balanced, strong, and preventing you know, breakdown over a long season of doing just aerobic training. So what kind of strength training exercise would you recommend triathletes and runners add to their their workout program? Most athletes are surprised when I tell them that they need to to lift heavier, especially endurance athletes. They think they need to do more repetitions. But in general, when an endurance athlete gets or any, you know, performance athlete, but in general, endurance athletes, when they get in the weight room, the goal is to build strength and and prevent injury. So they should be lifting moderate to heavy loads, again, as long as they are comfortable with the movements that they're doing, and specifically squats, deadlifts, lunges, step-ups, things like that for the lower body, as well as pull-ups, bench presses, overhead shoulder press. Those type of big moves are the the critical ones that are really going to help an athlete increase their strength. And there's no secret behind it. You don't need to get too creative with these exercises, those, if you're doing them regularly, will pay huge dividends over a season and over a lifetime. Speaking of strength training and injury prevention, talk to me a little bit about overtraining. Overtraining, again, is loaded in there with, you know, following a plan, but sometimes it does happen. You don't even realize it that you're, you know, you're feeling so good for a block of time. Maybe it's four weeks, maybe it's six weeks, maybe it's eight weeks, but then sometimes all of it starts to catch up. Uh, and there's some, you know, warning signs, physical warning signs that an athlete could be aware of. Some of the physical warning signs are just chronic fatigue. Now you you were going so well, and then all of a sudden, even after an easier day, uh, you're you're still tired. Even doing those easier workouts are just harder than they normally typically would be. You're starting to notice that trend. Consistent subpar performances. So you're going in to do your speed workout, or you're trying to do your speed workout, or you're doing some other interval training. 
and you're not putting up the times that you normally know you could put up. Uh, so if you're starting to see your inability to hit certain thresholds or efforts or intervals that you used to be able to do, that's a, that's a sign that you might be overtraining or chronically fatigued, feeling generally lethargic, even outside of training throughout your day, you're at work, you're just tired, low motivation in training in general, and then poor attitudes. Another one, you just start to have a generally poor outlook. So if you're starting to see any of these signs is a good chance that you are overtraining. Maybe you're just not getting enough sleep. Maybe there are other external factors going on in life, but those are some things to look out for. In addition to that, if you're a data junkie, you can use performance data to track your fitness and fatigue over time. Applications like Training Peaks and WKO are excellent tools for tracking and analyzing your data. If you are good about tracking and uploading your workouts religiously, uh, the data can be insightful. Every workout we do is assigned a training stress score, TSS, essentially showing the overall demand of a particular workout. These TSS scores are measured against your current threshold pace, power, heart rate values that hopefully you've done some benchmark testing or threshold testing to set these numbers. And each workout's TSS factors into an athlete's overall fitness and fatigue over time. So you start to see a chart. And if you're using one of those applications like Training Peaks or WKO, there's a performance management chart. And you see these numbers every day, every time you go in there and look into your application at where your workouts are or where you've uploaded your workouts. And in general, if, if an athlete is seeing ramp rates or fitness increases of greater than five to eight points per week, then an athlete could be carrying a load that might lead to injury or illness over a period of time. So the fitness and the fatigue are categories mm -hmm. in Training Peaks and WKO, just yeah. to be clear. Absolutely. Yeah. So for everyone listening, if you're using these, there's three categories. It would be your fitness, which is also known as CTL, your critical training load, or fatigue, your ATL, your acute training load, and your form. And those numbers are, again factored in by the TSS and other scores that are going in there. And you can use those numbers to start to determine when it's time to start to take a down week or a rest day or how to prepare for a particular race and sort of dialing in your taper before a race so you can know when you're going to be at your optimal best levels of performance. So it's really critical for athletes to start to implement this. And if you're working with a coach, they help educate and also dial all this in so that when you're doing all your workouts, they're making sure that everything makes sense and the numbers start to add up. So as a coach, you look at the data and you also have conversations about how people are actually feeling and their perceived efforts while they're doing the workout. The numbers are one picture. Again, it's if this really only factors in if a, an athlete's really good at getting all their data in there. And if they're not, it's not giving you a clear picture. So you need both the actual conversation and the physical contact or, you know, touching base, like how are you actually feeling? And I always touch him with all my athletes. How's it going? How are the workouts? Right. How are you feeling? To start to get a general idea. You know, I also encourage every athlete to post regular comments about yeah. their particular workouts and, and how they're feeling. The numbers only show one side of the story, but what the numbers show and what an athlete's feeling at any particular time could vary pretty drastically. Yes. But it's again, one tool, one, another layer 
in terms of preventing injury or illness or fatigue or poor performance that you can add into your program in addition to things like making sure you have regular uh, recovery weeks built in, making sure you have rest days in between your hard days or easier days in between your hard days, working in a strength training program, making sure you're stretching and foam rolling post-workout or using the recovery boots or getting a regular massage. Like All of these are things that any athlete that's training and putting a lot of volume on their bodies and stress on their bodies should have these things, should be factoring all these things into their equation. And that's all wrapped up in that whole recovery topic as well. Right. And we'll have a topic about that at mm-hmm. some point. Talk to me about polarizing your training. Polarizing your training is another great way. And again, this is part of the plan. So for me, it's a big part of the way I structure my athletes' workouts. And it's making sure that there's My rule is typically no more than two or three hard days or really long days back to back before there's either an off day or an active recovery day. And in general, I tend to keep that at two unless an athlete is traveling or something comes up schedule wise where we have to adjust and maybe condense some of that intensity into a a shorter period of time to get it in. But in general, two, two hard days and then there's an easier either an off day or an active recovery day. And by building this in, especially if you can make those off days your active recovery days, it's a great way to maintain your fitness over time, still get in a workout without it causing any additional stress, meaning you're working out easy enough and light enough so that you're still moving, you're still moving blood around, but you're getting some physical training in and the next day you're gonna feel better and you're gonna be ready to work and do your interval session or do your long run or do your long ride or your long brick or whatever the workout demand is for that following day. Awesome. Andrew, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much for all your triathlon and running tips and advice. This has been great. And thank you for being the voice of my athletes and fielding all their questions today. And thank you everyone out there for listening. Stay tuned for episode two coming up very soon. And feel free to send me more questions. Again, direct message me on Instagram or at califitness at gmail.com. Thank you.